and welcome to Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Adam Simon. Adam, how have you been? Doing great. Beautiful spring day here in Brooklyn. Waiting for my Zyrtec to kick in, uh, but uh, <laughs> otherwise doing well. Oh, that's great. I would say it's a beautiful summer afternoon here in Sarasota, Florida, uh, as with, with a high of 88 uh, again and, and sun. Well, Adam... On the speaking of sun and sand and surf and springtime in New York, I have to know, what is your favorite road trip beverage? When you're taking your car out this summer, what are you going to be picking up at your Wawa? Interesting question. I I like, as you may have noticed or may remember from when we were in the office, I like to have a variety of beverages. I like to Mm -hmm. have, I I definitely just do water, although I do sparkling water when possible. Uh, or, or as some people call it, spicy water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there maybe is a caffeine uh, beverage involved, a, a coffee in, in, or an iced tea involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I like to have both of those going on, and then if it's later in the day, you know, there has to be a non-caffeine option. So, good point. Uh, I, I, I think you know what I would, I would go with like a large. A large iced tea type beverage, probably for a road trip. Okay, uh, it's going to make you have to pee a little less than coffee, and uh, I don't know. It's it's light and summery. It's you know, I, I dig it. Uh, I do Wawa chocolate milk or whatever local chocolate gas milk. station chocolate milk. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know what what it is about road trips, but it's always I always grab the chocolate milk uh, and then maybe a Gatorade depending on. Uh, yeah, the drive. That, that, see, I was going to say that is like if there's a third thing, it's some like hyper uh, you know hydration beverage yeah. yep totally like a vitamin water or a gatorade or something yeah. <laughs> awesome well as always listeners uh our floor nine referral program is live so we have a link in the show notes where you can sign up but it only takes three referrals for you to get a your very own custom floor nine t-shirt so uh thank you for everyone who has signed up and, and has been referring so far we greatly appreciate it and if you haven't yet you still can it's still live so uh get out there and uh, start referring we greatly appreciate it But with that, Adam, let's dive into the news of this week, starting with an announcement from Twitter. So Twitter has been on an acquisition spree, and now they're buying a company called Scroll, uh, which I guess is positioned to boost its subscription services and non-advertising revenue. So very quickly... What exactly is Scroll for our listeners? Yeah, Scroll is a very cool um, app that uh, or service that launched, uh, I believe, last year. You paid them $5 a month, and it used actually ad-blocking technology to remove ads for logged-in users across the sites uh, that, were part, that were members of its uh, program, including sites like The Atlantic and Vox. Uh, and then they would pay from the membership fee. They would pay out to the sites based on how often you were visiting those sites. So it's they were using ad blocker technology, but they were using it to turn those those ad supported sites into sort of subscription sites. Uh, and it was uh, I think it's a really interesting application of that technology. Um, and they claim that it you know the the revenue from the users would more than offset the revenue from the ads for those sites. Um, so we don't obviously know, but uh, that that is the product now uh, owned by Twitter, uh, which I think is super interesting. Um, Twitter seems to really be lining up the pieces to uh, off make a subscription offering for people who are very online and who are uh, sort of Twitter power users, which I think makes a lot of sense. Like those are the people who are going to pay for something like this. Um, but if, you know, theoretically it would embedding scroll into Twitter uh, as part of a larger sort of feature bundle would let you link out from from Twitter into these uh, into these 
member sites, um, maybe without ads, but there might still be ads. It might be more about using that same technology to bypass paywalls, for example, um, so that maybe you don't have to subscribe directly to uh, the Atlantic, but you subscribe th- to this this Twitter bundle and you get access to more Atlantic articles outside the paywall for free every month, things right. like that. They were saying from The Verge that um, native advertising that was more like integrated could still show up, but more broadly, um, like the banner ads or kind of like those peripheral advertisements won't show. So it'll make the experience better. It'll, it'll load the page faster and overall give you like a, just a more uh, smooth reading experience. And I think it's super interesting too, because like you said, if, if you can link out from Twitter and you have the proper tracking ID or, or, or you already signed into the bundle and you load to like the Verge or BuzzFeed News, uh, you don't have to log in kind of automatically recognizes you as a user. So I think that makes it super valuable and super easy and seamless for individuals to start getting a better news experience uh, by paying for this bundle through Twitter. I would say that uh, to our our, our brands listening, I don't think this is necessarily about removing more users from seeing ads. The reality is that this is going to be targeted and scroll was targeted at uh, sort of premium high-end users who are probably already using ad blockers. Um, This is actually about helping turn those users into people who are actively supporting these publications, uh, which I think is something that I think, you know, having it be part of Twitter, which obviously has uh, around 200 million or so monthly active users, um, they will get a much larger audience, but I think it will still be really targeted at those sort of premium users who are very online and very engaged. And it will help convert a lot of them into supporting journalism, which frankly is something that we really need right now. So right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic about this. Totally. And just to, just to note, Scroll is just like uh, one company out there doing something like this. There's, there, there's another company called Coil uh, that is doing a similar website bundle currently that they work with imager and this other video uh, company called cinnamon uh, where you can pay same thing a monthly fee and you get access to these websites essentially ad free uh, and it's all based off i think cookie tracking uh, so th- there's a, a positive use case towards towards cookies uh, and understanding and providing like, a good experience towards you so uh, i think it's super interesting because th- these are two kind of like open ecosystem solutions to provide a better you know, news reading experience to a user versus what we've seen from Apple and Apple News. That's definitely a more closed ecosystem um, experience. And I, I just get the feeling that this one, especially when it combines with Twitter, this might be a bit more, I don't know, successful because it's to me, it just seems easier to get people to sign up and then have access to like all these different sites versus going into the Apple news app and like downloading that and being a part of well, that. It, it's a place that you already are. Probably this is going to be targeted at people who are already heavy Twitter users, whereas Apple news True. is its own destination. And it's, you're also, you're still getting all the benefits of Twitter where it's curating the, the articles that you're seeing based on who you're following. So it has a, I think a better sense as to what you might be interested in than, than Apple will. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting is we know Twitter is gearing up with a lot of, uh, tools for creators and possibly, Mm -hmm. and and we think monetization tools for creators, I think it will be really interesting. And I would expect that whatever this new scroll offering is, will also apply to creators, to independent creators, right? So this isn't, Mm -hmm. scroll was really designed for, for major mainstream publications. Uh, but you can imagine how this could be really meaningful to people who are writing on Substack, for example, or more likely Twitter's Substack competitor review, um, <laughs> but like, or, 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 or podcasters, right? Like you could imagine that, that Twitter is a great place to turn to, to centralize uh, sort of 
cross-channel uh, subscriptions and memberships for uh, for creators. Um, so I think there. I think you know who knows if they will actually launch that uh, you know this year or with this first outing. But I do think that the promise of having independent creators monetizing using the same channels and and attracting eyeballs using the same channels as mainstream publications that's that's always sort of been the dream, right? So I think that uh, the idea that we, from Twitter you could click out to the Atlantic, the Atlantic makes however many cents off of that click, uh, but then you click over into somebody's Substack, and that person also makes the same number of cents as the Atlantic is uh, super promising and interesting. The Twitter bull thesis continues as we get further and further into 2021. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on this. We'll see how it rolls out. Uh, but let's move on to our next uh, couple topics here. And these ones are very ad specific, which I think is exciting. So first up, we have an announcement from YouTube. It is introducing a new interactive feature that is going to be aimed at advertisers that is, that, that is called brand extensions, uh, which will now allow for YouTube viewers to learn about a product they see on screen with a click of a button. So basically, they're bringing uh, a bright line or innovative ad natively into YouTube. Uh, so it's just like one more mechanism uh, for individuals uh, to kind of shop your product right from that uh, YouTube video that'll be on uh, their TV ads or their YouTube TV ads. Yeah, this is really just an improvement is to the flow and interactivity designed for uh, you know a lean back experience in the living room for YouTube. Um, but it's important because we do think that shoppable video is uh, in the near term going to grow a lot. And yep. uh, so it is good to see YouTube making, making strides sort of across the board there. Yeah. And I, I have to say, with shoppable video, I feel like the most successful ones will be the ones that are native to the platform. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's, so, it's, it's been so difficult. It's like looking at the landscape of all these different companies that are building a shoppable experience. The ones that kind of tack on to a YouTube video or, you know, it's kind of a third party. It's always just a little bit... Um, I don't, I don't want to say janky, but it's, it's just kind of like a not the best user experience. Uh, whereas if you build out your own app, like a Shop Shops, that's a really great user experience. So I I, just, I have a lot of excitement for when I start to see these native platforms building out uh, shoppable ad units, because I think that's going to be the easiest way for um, the user to interact and kind of provide the best experience, because it'll just all be native to um that platform essentially. Yeah, that's exactly what you want, uh, especially in the living room where there is still a lot of friction for uh, making purchases from from yeah. that lean back experience. Yeah. Well, next up, uh, Facebook is launching Neighborhoods, uh, which is their next door clone. Uh, Adam, thoughts on this one? Are they just jealous that they don't own Neighborhood? Uh, is this a, a move for them to kind of get hyper-local uh, data around their users without uh, potential any concerns around Apple and their iOS feature? What are your, what are your thoughts on this move? Yeah, I mean, I think this is about a lot of things. I think, um, you know, for one, we know that people are spending more time in in groups on Facebook and niche communities. And this is really just an extension of that into sort of a specialized product. Different people have different amounts of engagement with different sort of niche communities, but everybody right. has some amount of engagement with their neighborhood. So it's sort of a good baseline, I think, for, for that kind of behavior. Um, the other thing is that, uh, yes, I think Facebook is a little jealous that uh, there is a social uh, platform <laughs> next door that they do not own and they would like... <laughs> <laughs> to as with everything else there there they there needs to be a Facebook version of it. Um, and then the other thing is that I think it is a little bit of a hedge against changes in privacy rules and regulations and uh, you know in the event that 
either regulators start to prevent Facebook having access to it, or let's say Apple increasingly, you know, sort of changes their rules again, and Facebook really can't get access to as much location data about uh, consumers. Uh, neighborhoods is a good proxy for that, right? It's you're, you're telling them exactly where you live, which isn't going to help when you're traveling or when you're, you know, maybe at work or, or things like that. But it is going to give them a location that they can tie to you and can use for uh, more more targeting in that way. And the one thing I do want to know is that um, Facebook has already essentially set aside a bunch of moderators to help with moderating uh, this product. So we know Facebook has the most moderators out of any social platform. And we know moderation has been an issue, for example, with uh, neighborhood in the past. So uh, that proactive step is definitely a, a plus one in Facebook's uh, core to, you know, roll out a smooth experience. Um, and they have the resources to do so for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm not confident. Uh, <laughs> Facebook hasn't proven that they they can do well with moderation, frankly. Um, but has anybody has anybody? No, I mean, no, that's the, the reality. It's that's a fair, fair pushback. The reality is that moderation is a, a tough problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a problem on Nextdoor as well. And, you know, I think it's the sad <laughs> reality of the matter is that uh, getting to know too much about your neighbors and having too much communication <laughs> with them is also not not a good thing necessarily. <laughs> well, again, we'll be keeping our eye on that one and see how, see how it rolls out and uh, if any neighborhood flame wars uh, uh, spike up. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more of a when, not an if. Uh, next up, uh, we have a really interesting announcement from Boost Mobile. Uh, so their Boost Mobile Unlimited Plan Plus now comes with talk, text, and telemedicine. So they partnered with a company called K-Health, uh, which will provide a subscription uh, when you sign up for this new bundle, which I think is just a fascinating example of how a company is adopting to new technologies coming out of essentially this this past year that we spent inside with the rise of telehealth. Um, I think we should see more things like this because I think this is great. I think it's a great example of, you know, an, an, an infrastructure level uh, company like a mobile provider uh, innovating on their on their products we can, and becoming competitive. Um, I'm excited to see what new things, you know, we're going to get outside of the box of just text talk and, you know, data. Uh, I want to see more of this. This is great. Yeah, I mean, I like this because we talk a lot about bundling, and this is an interesting bundle. A lot of the major cell network providers are uh, offering a streaming service or whatever, and this is just a little more creative. Um, The other thing is that this is something that's happening a lot in the health space where we're seeing a lot of vertical integration, where we're seeing, you know, pharmacies like CVS uh, invest more in offering additional health services, which totally makes sense. Um, But I think this is a different point of integration, right? They're saying it's a little bit like, well, the device you're using for telemedicine is your phone. So what if we bundled that, you know, with that device? I don't know if this is going to resonate with a lot of a lot of folks, but I do we do know that there has been a lot of confusion over the past year of just how to get access to telemedicine. Um in, in that a lot of a lot of folks have access to it through their insurance company, but yep. maybe don't know about it. Um there you might also have uh people with without insurance who are uh, you know Boost Mobile is a, a more uh a more value focused brand and they there might be people there who do not have health insurance and being able to talk to a doctor without having to worry about that is a great uh, i think a benefit to uh to not just to you know to these customers but to to anybody it's a we're taking care of it you don't have to worry about it you're not going to have to pay for it is a yeah. good message to have when it comes to healthcare these days <laughs> yeah yeah the uh i just like it because it's not a a mobile carrier touting 5g 
<laughs> to me, this is more tangible and more use, like more more useful than it's like, hey, we have five G and it's here, and you can kind of maybe use it in some way, shape, or form if if your if your phone has the proper technology. And I just like ah something fresh. So so I like yeah. It. We could do an entire episode about the five G hype cycle, <laughs> but uh, yes. <laughs> well, Adam, let's move on to our last bit of news here, uh, and this one is definitely within some sort of hype cycle, a washing machine. I don't, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> uh, Dogecoin, the joke or meme cryptocurrency, has just been on a tear. It went from basically point zero 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 one in value to around 69 cents. I don't know why. I don't know how. Is it related to Elon Musk in any sort of way? I don't know, but this is... Is it investing? Is it gambling? I don't know. My whole concept of how money transfers and what's valued uh, is just, I mean, between this and GME and Bitcoin and NFTs and Ethereum, um, I just, I'm like lost and confused in a swirling financial, you know, pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, first of all, m- uh, most investing is gambling in, in a matter of speaking. That's uh, true. So I wouldn't necessarily separate those things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we've been talking about this as like financial frenzy that there's this, this really, you know, growing, we, we've talked about this on the show before, but this growing desire for new financial vehicles and new investment vehicles. And yep. uh, that is creating weird behaviors that, uh, are are surprising and and this is just the newest one. I think you know there's a lot of excitement around cryptocurrency right now as one of these, you know, alternative investments. Uh Bitcoin is up about 90% this year, which sounds great until you look at uh, Ether from Ethereum, uh which is up 350% this year uh so far in 2021. So, uh Dogecoin is is growing <laughs> a lot, but it's starting from a very small base. So, yes, if you put a ton of money into Dogecoin, uh, you know, 6 months ago, you would be very rich right now. That would have been a very stupid thing to do and everybody i think would have agreed you should not put your life saving is into dogecoin into pretty much at any point <laughs> into uh, a meme coin i saw yeah. a fantastic uh photo on reddit that said if you put your three stimulus checks at different like when you got them into the do- like over across like the life cycle of dogecoin over these past six months that three thousand dollar investment would be worth uh five hundred thousand dollars right now but <laughs> it's just what it's like, it makes no sense <laughs> But I love it. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> it is pure speculation is driving yeah. this. I think the fact that Elon Musk is going to be hosting SNL on Saturday night uh, is driving some of this. I think people are hoping he's going to call out Doge on air, and that will probably you know bump it even higher. But it's pure. It's all speculation, and there's no way to predict what's happening here. Really, um, it's it's the these whether they're meme stocks or meme coins, there's, it's very unpredictable. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to watch. It's fun to, uh, to speculate. It might be fun to, uh, to actually invest if you have some money you don't mind losing. But again, it's, this is a a very risky investment. There is no fundamental reason why Doge is up so high. Uh, So it would be purely speculating based on, on what you think the market is going to do. So, um, you know, I think it's, I, I, I would just go back to this, you know, what we've been saying about the financial frenzy is just, just that there are, there is a class of investor right now who is behaving what seems to be erratically, but what really is happening is that they're looking for new, you know, high moving 
securities uh, uh, right. or, or, or coins, uh, as the case may be. It's people looking for a get-rich-quick scheme, and this is just happens to be one that you can uh, you can try your hand at with a few taps on your phone. And I think that that is uh, largely what's driving um, a lot of these. And uh, it, it will calm down eventually, and Doge will go back to settle at some new you know, new level. Um, but uh, then by then we'll, we, that will happen and we'll be on to another stock or another coin or something. Um, mm-hmm. I think when we look at what's happening with Bitcoin and especially with Ethereum, there are some more fundamental shifts that are happening that I think support those higher levels of investment. Totally. And Adam, to your, like, to your point about like Ethereum and NFTs, right? Like there's the NFTs have brought like a real um, sort of like tangible value to digital collectibles, which hasn't been done before. So this is the first time that's ever been available. Uh, and so it's things like uh, NFTs and other sorts of you know technologies and use cases that, that are being developed on the Ethereum blockchain uh, are, I think, what makes you know Ethereum in particular uh, a bit more, I guess, like solid when it comes to its price and use case and, and, and why it continues to go up. So... Yeah, and I think you know the the reality is that there's a lot of this uh, get rich quick hype speculation happening in the NFT market right now as well. But NFTs like Ethereum are a useful technology that will find a permanent or at least long term place in in the the stack of uh, the future of, of finance and ownership. Whereas Dogecoin. Uh, has it, not really made a it case. It literally for says it was created as a joke to make fun of other <laughs> cryptocurrencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's literally a joke, um, which is fun. Uh, yeah, imagine, imagine being the first uh, Doge billionaire. Yeah. Well, that is going to wrap up the news for this week, and uh, I want to introduce a new section called the Magna Minute, which is in collaboration with our friends over at Magna Global. Uh, talk about a quick stat coming out of some of their recent research. So, on the heels of the Verizon news last week, our colleagues over at Magna has released some of the stats on the concentration of advertising market power here in the U.S., the most striking stat among them is combined to the market share of Google, Facebook, and Amazon uh, in the U.S., which is now at 82%. But just for some comparison here, the number was 77% three years ago. And it's worth noting that Magna bases all these projections on financial reports from these big companies. Uh, And so this 82% number is a bit higher than some of the research sources that are out there uh, that you might see in in the market. But again, if we look to kind of break this stat down, uh, Google is still in the lead by a very large margin, uh, accounting for almost half of all the digital ad market uh, on its own in 2020. Uh, They pulled in about $68 billion in sales, which is a large chunk. And, you know, that $68 billion was also about 30% of the entire U.S. ad market. So as we might know, Google is a very big uh, player in the digital ad space. Facebook, as I mentioned, came in number two. They have about 26% of the entire digital ad market. And Amazon, number three, at 9% and growing, which is truly impressive. Uh, I think one to see Amazon in that uh, ecosystem now or in part of the top three, just because they had introduced their Amazon their Amazon advertising business two years ago, maybe three, uh, give or take. So that's been a pretty quick uh, rise for for them. So that's still pretty uh, impressive. Uh, and if you're looking for more information on these stats uh, or some background, please check out uh, Magna's most recent release of the U.S. media landscape. Uh, it's on their web portal. Uh, it's called the Atlas. If you have access or if you're interested in getting access, you can just email them at info at magnaglobal.com. So uh, thanks to our Magna team uh, for this excellent stat uh, and how the digital advertising ecosystem is a 
evolving. Well, listeners, with that, that is going to round out this week's episode. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to myself and Adam on Twitter. I am at T-I-P-P-I-E-R. Adam is at Adam J. Simon. Uh, If you're interested in joining the referral program, we'll have links in the show notes. Uh, So definitely do that. We appreciate anybody that is uh, spreading the love of Floor 9. And of course, if you're part of the IPG Media Brands family, you can join our Teams channel. If you're interested in Dogecoin, if you want to learn more about NFTs, uh, I'm in there. Richard's in there. Adam's in there. We're all talking to other listeners and uh, members of the IPG Media family to discuss their thoughts, to help them get educated, to answer questions, uh, and really have a good time uh, learning as as a group. So if you're interested, please join us. Uh, We'd love to have you. Uh, And feel free to let, let us know your thoughts on Dogecoin. If you're an investor, congratulations. Uh, we're, we're pumped for you. Uh, so with that, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, and we'll talk to you all next week.